God Conversations with Tanya Harris. So let me ask you that question. What does God say? <laughs> well, you know, thunder, lightning. <laughs> Mother Teresa, someone asked her, when did God speak to you? And she said, whenever he wants. So essentially the Bible is a collection of God Conversations, if you like. I had a vision of a car accident and I'm sitting on the couch thinking, why have I just seen this? How could I know if God was speaking to me? How could I know that that or that thought was actually just me thinking about, oh, I've had some bad pizza. Jesus said we'd recognise his voice. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation. There's a lot of searching going on in our world. Everybody's looking for something, the Eurythmics once sang. There's a human need in each one of us to find meaning and purpose in our lives. People go on pilgrimage to places like India or Israel. They climb mountains. They seek it in their careers and in their bank accounts. During the time of the first Christmas, people were searching too. The wise men, King Herod, Simeon and Anna were all searching for something. On God Conversations this week, we're going to talk about what we're all searching for and how to find it. You may know that well-known song by U2, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. Its popularity shows how much it resonates with so many of us. We climb mountains, we run through fields, we scale walls, we're all looking for something, Bono says. I think that's true. Deep within us, there's this internal search that drives us, that calls us. It has a lot to do with the God-given way each one of us is wired. We're looking for something because we're born for something. We're searching for meaning, for purpose, for finding our place in the world. Where do we fit? What can I bring? If you have a closer look at the story of Christmas, you'll notice there's quite a bit of searching going on there too. We notice it early on with the wise men of the East. These men from the Orient had come a long way to search for answers for a king, but they had no real idea of what that would entail. They knew it was important, but couldn't fully understand the implications of what they'd find. We don't know a lot about the wise men specifically. We don't even know if there were three, though the Christmas carol says there were. Some ancient accounts call them magi, like magicians or sorcerers. They may have been Zoroastrians or astrologers. In the ancient world of the day, magi were men of great learning and status and were often consulted by leaders because of their skill in interpreting omens, signs and stars. The magi looked to the signs in the sky to find their direction and purpose. And in this case, they must have heard about an ancient prophecy that a star would signify the birth of a great king, one who would be born of the family of David. Most likely they'd been watching the heavens for years, looking, searching, waiting for an alignment in the sky that would foretell the birth of a king. And now they'd seen something. We don't really know what they saw, and there were plenty of theories around. A comet, a supernova, a conjunction of planets or something supernatural. But regardless, the wise men started their journey. They set out to find what they were looking for. They had little to go on, yet they ventured far, enduring hardships along the way, all to find what they were looking for. I remember having my own rising star moment back at the age of 21. It wasn't quite as spectacular, perhaps more of a falling star moment. I'd hit a stage in life where I didn't know what my life was for. I didn't know where I was going or how I was going to get there. It was a crossroads moment for me, and I ended up praying a radical prayer. 
Lord, show me what you have for my life. Guide me into all that you have. Reveal to me who you are. I think it takes courage to go on that kind of journey. The truth is, you don't know where it's going to lead you. You don't know fully what God has for you, except for this truth. It's good. The words of the ancient prophet Jeremiah say this, You will seek me, and you will find me. For I know the plans I have for you. They're plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. It's sometimes a little scary to go on that spiritual journey, whether for the first time launching out, getting to know God, or whether we've been on the journey for a while and we want to go further. But what we need to do is to remind ourselves that the risk is grounded in the truth of the goodness of God. If we search for Him, we'll find Him. It's what the wise men found. They were some of the first to meet one who would change the world, the first to see something of God's great plan. Like the wise men, God is calling each one of us to seek Him, and when we do, we'll find what we're looking for. There's a famous line in the Bible, Ask and you'll find your answer. Knock and the door will be opened. Seek and you will find. We've been talking about the characters of the Christmas story and the invitation that presents to each one of us to go on our own journey to seek God. But why do we need to seek? Is God some sort of elusive character playing cosmic hide-and-seek? Why would God allow himself to be found only by those who seek him? Why not just declare himself like a Larry billboard across the cosmic freeway? Philosopher Bertrand Russell once said that the problem with God is that he leaves no evidence. Well, it's not because God is hiding himself. We see that with the wise men of the Christmas story. It's such an interesting scenario because here are the wise men, magi from the east, people who relied on signs in the sky, stars and omens to plan their way, the kind of thing that God warns his people Israel about relying on. They weren't to consult other sources or spirits, but to consult him and him alone. But get this. God uses the very thing that he warns others against to lead the wise men to him. He gives them a star to follow, and that's the way they find him. The truth is that God wants to be found, and he wants to be found by everyone, not just those raised in church or or those who've lived a moral life. These wise men weren't Jews. They weren't Jesus' own kind, and yet they were some of the first at the manger. This is the heart of God. He's speaking and reaching out to those who don't know him all the time. He's giving signs of his presence, drawing people toward himself. The scriptures say that the God who made the world and everything in it, the one who gives everything life and breath, who made the nations and marked out their appointed times in history, he did this. Why? So that people would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he's not far from any one of us, it says. What wonderful words. The wise man came a long way on their spiritual journey, but Jesus came much further. We think we're the ones doing all the searching, and yet this is a God who is searching for us, a God who's reaching out to us, and he's not far from every one of us. So why then are we still called to seek 
The reason is that a seeking heart is needed so that we can see and hear God's voice. Revelation comes via the spirit, not the mind. It's not about our intelligence or our education. We see with the eyes of the heart, the Apostle Paul says. For us to receive, our spirits must be open. And the act of seeking uncovers our true self. It peels away the agendas, the mixed motives and the preconceived ideas. It makes us sensitive to a small, still whisper. We become ready to receive what God is saying and doing. What does that look like in practice? Well, it doesn't mean literally we have to go on a journey. It starts with the positioning of our hearts. You will find me, the scriptures say, when you seek me with all your heart. It may be as simple as a prayer. God, I want to know you. I want to see you. Please reveal yourself to me in the midst of my situation, whatever that might be. Show me your heart, God. Show me who Jesus is in the midst of my journey. What's heartening about all this is that once our hearts are ready, all we need to do is receive. (laughs) That's it. We don't have to be around the best preachers or make a pilgrimage to the Holy Land or tick off every one of the Ten Commandments. It's so much easier than that. Because once we're ready, God takes the initiative. (laughs) How he takes the initiative. He moves heaven and earth to show himself to us. Just as he did for the wise men, he'll give us a star to follow or something that we understand in the midst of our situation. Today, he's calling each one of us, wherever we're at, to seek him. And the promise is that he'll be found. What does God sound like? How do I know it's Him? They're the questions I asked myself at 21. I'd read stories of God speaking throughout the Bible, but I'd never heard His voice for myself. So I decided to try it out. Speak, Lord, and if you make it really clear, I'll do whatever you say. My new book, God Conversations, is all about what happened when I heard God's voice. It won't tell you how to hear it as much as it will show you. As Jesus promised, we can all recognize his voice and know it enough to follow. Buy it now at godconversations.com. The wise men went on a search that would change their lives as they got to meet the coming king in the form of a baby at Christmas. But there was another character who was also searching at this time. His name was Herod, a man who was half Jewish and who had heard about the prophecy about a king who would be born, a Messiah who would usher in a new kingdom. Herod's search, however, was altogether different from that of the wise men. This was a power-hungry, brutal man who was out to serve his own interests. In fact, history tells us that Herod killed everyone in his path, including his own family, half the Sanhedrin and 300 of his court officers. On his deathbed, it's reported that he ordered all his noblemen to be assembled and killed as soon as his death was announced. No wonder the Jews in Israel didn't support him. When Herod heard of the news of Jesus, he was so disturbed that he started to hunt him down. He interrogated the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the wise men who were passing through. Then he sent the wise men to secretly find the newborn under the guise of wanting to worship him, all the while plotting to kill him. When that failed, he commissioned a slaughter of all the baby boys in the area. 
This was a man who was searching for all the wrong reasons and for all the wrong things. We've been talking about what it means to be seeking on the show, what it means to search, how in many ways we're all on a search for purpose and meaning in our lives. Herod's story reminds us that motivations matter. Our search has to lead us beyond ourselves. Our journeys need to be attached to purpose, and that purpose is to know God and to bless others. If we're all made in God's image, then we reflect His heart to bring blessing, to steward the planet and all that we've been given. To search for self-interest is counterproductive. It will destroy us. We won't find what we're looking for. One of the most inspiring stories I think of our day about finding purpose is the story of Bill Gates. This was a man who went on a search for success in technology and in business. His search was to find the best computer system, to develop new processing software, to be a leader in the IT business. But then look what he did. When he found all of that, he channeled that success into a purpose that was oriented beyond himself. He and his wife, Melinda, began a trust foundation to take what he'd found and attach it to purpose. One of their latest projects, for example, was to look at how to eradicate worldwide childhood disease. Using all of their resources, all of their expertise and all of their wealth to help others. I love that. Now, obviously, that's a pretty large scale, and we're not all going to be billionaires. But the principle remains. When we go on a search for meaning, we need to understand that a search that serves the self will never lead us to the right place. We'll become like the Herods of history, scars on the landscape, that were known for serving themselves and destroying others in the process. In the end, Herod never did find what he was looking for. He never found the newborn king. God had warned the wise men in a dream not to report back and tell him what they'd seen. God was watching over his promise, and no self-seeking Herod was going to get in the way. When we seek things only for ourselves, we'll never find what we're looking for. We're never going to find the life that God promised us. When we seek money or glory or power for its own sake, our journeys will only lead us to frustrating dead ends. This is not what we were born for. There's a lot of searching going on in our world. Everybody's looking for something, the Arrhythmics once sang. There's a human need in each one of us to find meaning and purpose in our lives. People go on pilgrimage to places like India or Israel. They climb mountains or seek it in their careers and their relationships. During the time of the first Christmas, people were searching too. The wise men, King Herod, Simeon and Anna were all searching for something. On God Conversations this week, we're talking about what we're all looking for and how to find it. There's some lesser-known characters who were seen searching in the Christmas story too. We know about the wise men and we know about Herod, but these two were seeking on the sidelines. Both of them were older. They'd known God for a long time, yet they still have this beautiful seeking heart. They still want to see the fullness of who God is. The first person was Simeon. He'd been waiting a long time for this moment at Christmas. God had spoken to him already about a king, a Messiah who would come. I imagine the temptation must have been to give up, to stop expecting and to stop seeking. 
But here we see Simeon, centre stage, soon after Jesus is born. He's watching and he's waiting and then God speaks to him. Today's the day. This is the moment that you've been waiting for. And because Simeon is still seeking, he hears and he responds. He follows the Spirit's lead into the temple and he meets Joseph and Mary as they present Jesus there. Simeon finds exactly what he's looking for. I was 21 years old when I first started seeking God for myself. I'd been in church all my life, but I'd been very much living off the beliefs of my parents and my church leaders. I knew all the rhetoric. I knew the doctrines and the commands, but I'd never really encountered Jesus as a person. So I started seeking Him. I started praying radical prayers. God, if you are as you say you are, then I'm not letting go. I'm going to seek you until I find you. I'm going to run after everything that you have for me. Well, the story goes that I did find him, or at least he found me. In fact, I've met with God in so many beautiful ways that have changed my life. I found what I was looking for, and I'll never be the same. But I think the temptation is that as time goes by, we stop seeking. We get a bit lazy, a little bit passive. We take the foot off the pedal and coast for a while. I think that's what's so challenging about this character, Simeon. He didn't get lazy. While he still had breath, he was expectant about what God will do. We may have sought God. We may have even found him. And we may have met Jesus at some point in our lives. But you know what? There's more to be seen. There's more to be found. There's another character in this story who has the same heart as Simeon. Her name was Anna. She was a widow. She was 84 years old. The account in the Gospel of Matthew says of her that she never left the temple. She worshipped there. She fasted. She prayed day and night. This was a woman who was still seeking God right into her old age. She was still following him, still expectant of all that God would do. And where does her searching get her? Like Simeon, she sees the baby Jesus at the temple. In Jerusalem, when her parents bring him in to dedicate him, she takes him into her arms and immediately she knows who he is. She knows how significant he will be. God speaks to her, and she sees things that are normally hidden from others. God reveals to her the treasures of his kingdom, the secret of his plans. That's where our searching journey will take us. You will be found by me, God says, when you seek me with all your heart. You see, there's always more. No matter how old we are or how long we've done the journey with God, there's more to be found. Boundless treasures in God for those who seek. There's a continued call to seek and never stop. Let's be inspired by the examples of Simeon and Anna, those who sought God and never gave up, those who believed him and realized the truth that those who seek will find. I wonder how the wise men felt when they finally arrived at their destination after their long journey from the east. What did they expect to find? Did they talk about it on the way there? It was a king who was prophesied, a great king, one that had been spoken of so long ago. Did they expect to find him clothed in royal regalia? Did they expect an entourage guarding his door? 
what did they expect to find? Well, we've been talking about our own spiritual searches this Christmas, what we're looking for and the places we seek to find it. Actually, I came across a joke this week and I couldn't resist sharing it with you. What would have happened if it had been the three wise women instead of the three wise men? Well, to begin with, they would have asked for directions. They would have arrived on time to help deliver the baby. They would have cleaned the stable, brought practical gifts rather than gold, frankincense and myrrh, and probably made a casserole. Hmm. So what did the wise men find when they arrived in Bethlehem? Well, we know what they didn't find. They didn't find riches, the trappings of royalty, or the fineries of wealth and privilege. Jesus was a helpless baby in a manger. He'd been stripped of his heavenly status and reduced to a humble child residing with animals. This was no royal scene. It was a smelly stable. There were no goods to consume or belongings to luxuriate in. Instead, this was God's way of communicating the opposite. A king whose kingdom would not be found in external possessions, but in internal values and truth. Neither did the wise men find rules or an ideology when they arrived in Bethlehem. They didn't find a list of do's and don'ts to follow, a set of instructions and commands to keep. Jesus wasn't inaugurating a new political or even a religious system. He would teach about God's ways, but his kingdom was not about knowledge or philosophy. He had come to bring a whole new understanding of God. He'd come to reveal who God was. What the wise men did find that day was a person, a child, the wonder of Christmas. The wise men's search led them to a God who was personal, an almighty creator who came in a form that we could understand. Spirit became flesh so that we could see before our eyes what God is like. He's transcendent, he's powerful, but he's also very near. He's very close. He's willing to travel to us wherever we are. Even though we're seeking him, we realise he has already come to seek us. The result of that scene is that the wise men worshipped. They didn't just pay a king homage. This king was so much more than that. They bowed down, they offered their gifts, and they worshipped him. Christmas invites us to join in on the same search. Why are we here? We're all looking for meaning and purpose. That's the journey we're all invited on. Perhaps a star has risen in the east for you. God may have spoken or given you some sign of his presence. There's a niggling inside and you know he's calling you to seek him. Those who seek him with all their hearts will find him, the scriptures say. He's the one who has good plans for us, hope, a future and a purpose. Our search for meaning leads us not to riches, not to rules or an ideology, but to a person, one who takes our burdens and sets us free to live with meaning and purpose, one who was born to fulfill God's plan to die for us and take our burden on himself, the one who's been searching for us all along. This is ultimately what we're all searching for. Great to have you on the show today. 
Don't miss the next episode by subscribing on iTunes. Search for God Conversations with Tanya Harris and click subscribe. While you're there, leave us a review so others can learn to hear God's voice too. 